Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he gets such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we put him back in their houses for ten years. you welcome along to the 10th Woolly Awards I think it's the 9th or 10th I'm not sure I was a bit too lazy to count and it's with me your host Woolly for the 9th or 10th year in a row I've kept the job which is uh, absolutely fantastic on the Woolly Awards with me on this very special occasion are GA stalwarts uh, Connor and Paddy Stapleton so we're going to look at the hurling and football some of the awards are joined together so we've eight categories um, we have goal of the year we have flop of the year we have incredible finish to a game of the year we have controversy of the year we have individual performance of the year. We have didn't expect that to happen of the year. And we have embarrassing broadcast um, moment of the year. So without any further ado, we will start off with goal of the year. We're going to start with football. Um, listen, you're a football snob and you're a hurling snob. So like, if you, feel, if you feel comfortable to jump in on one side or the other, you're more than welcome. But we're going to, we're going to start with football. And uh, the first nomination for football goal of the year is Mark Keane uh, versus Kerry. Uh, we talked about this a good bit on the show um, at the time. He's in on the edge of the square. Tommy Walsh has come on for the last few minutes and he's playing cornerback and he's marking Mark Keane. And Tommy Walsh is a monster of a man. And the ball was a, a very, very speculative effort at a point. And it was a bad effort at a point. And it was the way Mark Keane turned his body. And I think maybe Tommy Walsh lost the ball in midair but, you know, he caught it into his stomach after turning. And it was the, the, the calmness of the finish, I suppose, Connor. I'll start with you. You know, that was that I, I think with the drama of the finish of the game, the actual finish for the goal might have been maybe, uh, you know, 
underplayed. Yeah, he would have been forgiven for um for snatching at it given the the stage of the game. Um, Woody, and do you know what we we talked about this at the time? But the thing about it is, like Mark Keane came on, so this is a guy who's obviously uh, been making his name with Collingwood. Comes back, and did he? He came on. And I don't think he got a touch of the ball for about twenty minutes. <laughs> do you know, it's just um, whether it was the way the game had gone at that time, or it just kind of kind of wasn't falling for him. So it would have been easy for him to kind of hide away as well. But I think that like. Obviously, listen. Huge question marks will be marked of uh, will be asked of, of of Tommy Welch for the way he defended it because at that stage in the game he would have been put back there solely to prevent Mark Keane from doing exactly that. And yet, Mark Keane didn't have to jump up into the air. You know, he literally it landed in his lap. Now he held off. He turned his body well and he held off Tommy Welch well. But at that stage, there was still a lot to do because he had the keeper coming out. To, he's the keeper coming out to kind of close him down as well. Just a lovely little side foot uh, finish to the corner. So like. Credit to Marquine, especially considering um, kind of uh, how, you know, for want of a better word, anonymous he'd been in the game before he came on after that. But to, for me, like uh, above all else, above all the goals we're going to going to go through is the sheer drama of this that definitely deserves it. You know, that warrants it being, being amongst the, the highlights. Yeah. No, I think so. I think his only touch of the ball was a push in the back, which he marked and the free was given against him. So that was it, his whole involvement in the game. Dean Rock's goal versus Mayo and Noller in final. Sorry about this, Connor. So this was more of a team goal. James McCarthy won the throw in um, against Aidan O'Shea and that doesn't happen very often. So he w- he he kicked a lovely diagonal ball into Niall Scully. I'm pretty sure it was Niall Scully. And they were practicing this in the warm-up. It was a little warm-up routine that they did. He got the one-two from Scully and then passed it into Dean Rock, who flicked it over Clark. It was an absolutely um, lovely finish. Obviously set the tone for the whole game, so massively important goal. And the third nomination is Michael Langan versus Tyrone. So Donegal were 5-2 down. Um, at the time, Tyrone had started the game so well. This was another kind of team goal. It was a super kick out from Sean Patton. Um, Derek Hanavan had just kicked a wide. He got it out in the spot pretty quickly, drove a huge ball down to Patter Mogan, who was completely free. Not sure how the hell that happened. And Langan takes off at that stage from midfield. Uh, Mogan timed the pass pretty well and Langan just smashes it to the net. So it was a massively important goal. And I think all three goals... Um, there's other other goals that didn't make the shortlist. Oshin Pearson, Cavan versus Monaghan, Pader Mogan against Armagh, Paul Kingston got a great goal against Longford, Killian O'Connor, um, his last goal against Tipperary was outstanding. But I think the three um, shortlisted was Mark Keane, Dean Rock and Michael Langan. Importance, uh, Paddy, has to factor into these goals as well. Absolutely has to, <laughs> not in my football knowledge, but uh, I think the importance for us with the Marquine one from Tipperary was if he didn't if he didn't get that goal, I think Tipperary would have struggled in a Munster final against uh, Kerry. So I think we were all we were all celebrating as much as the Cork people below in our sitting rooms, but um, yeah, I, I I couldn't pick a winner, no, and I, I think you know why, but I think that was last minute against a fellow. Huge man like Tommy Walsh, poor defending as a, you know, not a football back, but obviously I'm a hurling back, but poor defending for that one. But I still think, having not played in so long, to finish it right into the corner, I think that was an absolutely unbelievable uh, goal and serious catch. Uh, If it was on a tiny corner back, you'd say one thing, but uh, it was on a a man just as big. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Any preference of those three, Connor, before we give the winner? Just can't believe you didn't put Killian O'Connor in the top three, Willie, to be honest. But um no Importance. I, importance. Importance. I have to go for that reason alone, I have to go for Mark Keane. I think uh in terms of execution, I think the the Michael Langan goal was all about the kick out from Sean Patton to Patter Mogan. Great finish by Michael Langan. But in terms of its impact on the year, its impact on 
you know, knocking who at that stage were definitely um, Dublin's biggest challengers for for the All Ireland and have them out of the championship in such dramatic circumstances. Marquine is top of the pile for me. Yeah, so fair enough, and I'm in complete agreement. So the winner of the football goal of the year is Marquine for that last kick of the game um, against Kerry. We'll move on to the hurling now, um, Paddy, and the three nominations. I'll give you the nominations first, and then we can talk around them. Um, is Richie Hogan versus Galway? Um, absolutely breathtaking goal where he flicked it over the goalkeeper then tapped it up to himself and then with his back to goal, flicked it over his own head um, into the net. Again, importance is very important here as well. Kilkenny, were, Kil- Galway were 20 points to 15 up at that stage. So that goal, that inspiration kick-started, you know, an absolutely brilliant comeback from Kilkenny and won the Leinster final. Stephen Bennett versus Kilkenny. At this stage, it was, um, I think it was two, or it was 212 to 10 points at this yeah, stage. Eight, I thought it was eight points behind. Yeah, that. eight points, eight yeah, points behind. Yeah, so yeah. a brilliant, a brilliant catch from Fagan. Um, ran towards goal, laid it off to Bennett. He would have been hooked if he had a if he had a swing. He pretended to swing for it, then hit it on the bounce. And I stuck in the last one. Um, Paddy, you can say whether you agree or not. It was kind of between Aidan Hart against Tip and Patrick Horgan versus Tip. Patrick Horgan's one I like because um, uh, Brian Hogan t- took a step to the side of the goal he thought Horgan was going to go. And after running about 50 metres with the ball, he still had the presence of mind not to pass it to the man inside him, just hit it on the near side and buried it in the net. So I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, um, I think three. I think what I like about those three goals, anyway, I suppose you talked about uh, Horgan's at the end, is they weren't goals where uh, it's a regular play of we're sticking to this system, we're going to hand it in and you're going to finish the ball. These were three goals of instinctive nature uh, right. when we talk about kind of beating you know getting a big score on a team this was down to absolute magic really like um, Bennett's I suppose the timing it was so important if they didn't score a goal early in the second half I think we could have been looking at a way way different match like you can never say you know if they only kept tipping the pints you know they might have got down to three pints four pints but it's very hard to outscore a team from eight pints down without getting without getting a goal Um Hogan's, I mean, that was he, first to me. He's playing against the man twice his strength, probably in Dahi Burke. That's the first thing, and he knew he was getting bit on the high ball, so he tapped it around the corner to himself. Like that's one ridiculous yeah. bit of skill. And then the goal, you know, look, we could question maybe Murphy jumping out like a train, but to, to to know to flick it around him, that's his second bit of skill, and then just pops it over his own shoulder. I mean, that's just that's outrageous stuff. But it's instinctive again. Like who taught him that? Nobody taught him that. That's just the magic of the man. Yeah, um, and then Horgan's I think probably not on the same level as the other two. Uh, but to run through that that amount of time and look nine times out of ten, you know I'm I'm handing that ball off. Most people are handing that ball off, but he's actually very hard. He's such good wrists, such strong wrists. He's very hard to hook, and I've seen it before that he can still get a shot off and he's getting hooked. And he was at the time sort of being put under pressure, but as say he gave the goalie the eyes eye over to the man. He probably should have passed it, but ended up slipping into corner. So absolutely savage. My own opinion. I think just the, the the technical, how tough it was technically, I think uh, Richie Hogan's to me was unbelievable. And, and Bennett, close second, but I think the Kilkenny backs would be very, very disappointed with themselves on that goal as well. Yeah, no, listen, I'm in agreement with the two of you. Notable mentions here, lads, have to go to Callum Lyons versus Cork, another kind of a drop a drop shot. Um, the Tipperary, Jake Morris's goal against Limerick, it was the pass from Shane McCallan and the finish. That was a great goal. Cahill Mannion had a brilliant goal against Tipperary. And like I already mentioned, Aidan Hart had another brilliant um, goal against Tipperary. But listen, I agree with both of you. The two obvious winners for me um, are Mark Keane, 
in the football and Richie Hogan in the hurling. So congratulations to them. All right, so category number two is flop of the year. And we'll start with the hurling this time. And there's a separate award in the, for both of these. Wexford is the first nomination for the hurling award. And Paddy, they, they're nominated twice, really, because <laughs> they flopped again. They flopped against Galway, not because they lost against Galway. It was a 50-50 game. It was the performance against Galway and then against Clare as well, where they would have been expected to win that one. Yeah, um, I, it, it's hard getting away from it. Uh, I think they set their standards so high the last couple of years. Like I really felt in the last two years they had a chance of winning the, the All-Ireland because, to me, they were set up well system-wise. They were very, very hungry. They had a few marquee forwards, which you always need. Um, and they're big and strong and fast. But this year, I think, you know, Davy alluded to, he's not too far away from it. Hurling is quite simple in a lot of ways. And the, the one thing, if you're not at the pitch of the game, if you're not getting to the breaks quickly, if your touch isn't right, if you're not crowding the other team, then you'll be easy to play against. And at championship level, club and county, um, you know, if you're a couple of percent off, that can mean a 10-point hammer. And I think that's, you know, Wexford were a lot of that. And I suppose they blame the crowd not being there and this and that. But at the end of the day, you're training every night with no crowd there. Um, and I just think I've had it before where you have a hangover. We reached the All-Ireland in 2009 and it wasn't until we got hammered in 2010 by Cork that we sort of, we got a bit of an electric shock, got yeah. us going again. And there's that hangover. And they were so close, not only to winning, getting to an All-Ireland, but, you know, I think they would have beaten Kilkenny in uh, last year's All-Ireland. So I think they really found that difficult. And it just shows it's so hard to put two good years together. Um, so that was really, really tough one. Yeah, I think it was more the expectations, really, that has Wexford in it. Dublin, I put Dublin's performance down against Cork. I thought their second half performance against Kilkenny, maybe you would think might turn their season around. And they went out against Cork incredibly flat. Um, we have Westmead nominated. Uh, complete and other flops in the Joe McDonough Cup after having a great uh, league. They were hammered by Antrim and hammered by Kerry, which is kind of... You know, hard to hard to understand. They were one of the favourites. Carlo didn't cover themselves in glory in the Joe McDonough either, but they were more competitive in the games of Westmead. And Offaly, um, they didn't even make the Christie Ring Cup final. So they lost to Down on penalties, who went on to lose to Kildare in the final. So the four nominations of this are Wexford, Dublin, Westmead, Offaly. Yeah, I, do you know what? Um, I'd have to say probably Offaly would probably be, and I hate saying it because I know I know Michael Finley well and of course Johnny Kelly's involved, but they'll probably know that themselves, probably not making the Christie Ring final, the third tier. Um, it was hugely disappointing for them. Um, with such Obviously, they have a big name, but that's a good backroom staff to have there. And yeah. That that to them, I'm sure, would be a huge flop that they didn't get to the final. I suppose that most disappointing of the year would, would have to be them when they are in the third tier and you are looking to really put things in place. And I suppose they, you know, I feel they should have been they should have been getting up there. But maybe it just shows the standard that Hurling is getting to in the other grades. Yeah, no, exactly. Football, uh, Connor, we have the nominations of footballer Kerry for a total flop job against Cork, went out and played defensively against the team that they should have been going out to beat. We have Donegal, some people might think a little bit unlucky um, to beat Tyrone and Armagh uh, very well and performed well, but they flopped in the final against Cavan and a lot of people were saying they were a team that could beat Dublin and I suppose expectation has them in flop of the year that if you're going to go on and and you know, beat Dublin, you're not going to be losing an Ulster final to Cavan. You know, Dublin were able to dispatch Cavan, um, you know, pretty easily. You have Armagh, uh, completely flopped against Donegal, destroyed in that game. And I suppose Galway are the other nominations in that they didn't perform terribly against Mayo in the Connacht final. I'm, I suppose maybe they performed so well at the start of the league. I would say post 
March lockdown, the rest of the year, their year was pretty much a flop. Yeah, I was like of all the teams to be affected by by the lockdown, I think it hit Galway the hardest in that like they were they I, I well I'd say you definitely Willie would have had them up there in terms of uh, maybe Dublin's biggest challengers after Kerry. I think most people would have given the performances that they put in the league and the football they played in the league, which is absolutely brilliant before left before lockdown. Then they come back, they get absolutely hammered out the gate by Mayo. And then they only had they had the league against Dublin. Then the game against Sligo was cancelled. So they had no real chance to get the momentum back. So I kind of had sympathy for them. And just the, even the conditions around the Mayo game, kind of having watched the way the Mayo played against Galway the first day, I think Porrick Joyce maybe kind of tailed back a bit on the on the attacking style in the Connacht final. And, and Mayo only pipped them by a point in the end. But of all those contenders, Willie, like I know... Kerry is the obvious one because of the nature that they flopped against Cork. But I, I have done, I've done it all up there, and the reason for that is that it's the third year in a row. Because like Donegal, to me, since 2018, have been talked about as a team that are going to give Dublin the game, and yet they haven't even got that far. I mean, in 2018, they lost, <laughs> well, 2018 they lost to Tyrone in the Super Eights. In 2019, they lost to Mayo and Castlebar in a game when everything was on the line, and yet again this year. Now I know they beat Tyrone, and that was the big game. But everything was on the line for them against Cavan again. And like it was there for them to win. I mean, you know, when, when Cavan had the black card in the first half, Donegal made hay and you think, right, Donegal are in control of the game now. And then Cavan got a black card in the second half. And I don't think, I think Donegal might have scored a point more than them maybe during that 10 minutes. And gradually as the game went on and because of the intensity that Cavan brought to it, you thought, you know, Cavan, have a, Cavan had a right chance here and then they ended up sealing it with, with Conor Mann in the end. But, for me, that's why Donegal. Like, I think I think it hints hints at a chink in their mentality somewhere. That every 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 time it's been brought to them in the last three years, and every time the occasion demanded a big performance, they've if they've nearly been guilty of looking further down the line towards Dublin and thinking that they might be the team to crack them, but it just hasn't happened for them. So again, I say like on a one off, if you're talking about this year individually, it's probably Kerry. But for me, over this year was just the culmination of yet another really really disappointing year for for Donegal. Yeah, you make very strong cases, lads. This is a very difficult one. I've kind of half changed my mind on one. I'm going to go with flop of the year in football. I'm going to stick with Kerry. These are league champions. Everyone looking forward to Kerry Dublin potential final. It was set up for them the way the provinces were were, were gone and just went out with a dis- terrible, terrible performance against Cork. It's the ultimate flop. Now, you almost had my mind changed on Donegal there, Connor. I have to say, like, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And you did change my mind, uh, Paddy. Uh, I had Wexford down. But like, I mean, if we're being honest, Offaly with their backroom team, you know, the bounce back into the Joe McDonough after everyone being surprised that they were knocked out of the Joe McDonough for them to go down to the Christie ring. And I don't think they were even promoted in the league either. So like, I mean, that's a huge disappointment. Um, so look, it's fair to say that the two flops of the year are Kerry and Offaly. All right, so category number three is incredible finish to a game of the year. So we're going to include club in this, lads, because let's be honest, that's where all the excitement was really this year, um, if, if we're being honest about it. So the first uh, nomination, and this will be a hard one to beat, is Killadangan versus Lockmore, Paddy. We'll leave this over to you. 105 years, never won it before. Um, if, uh, Lockmore, this goes into extra time. Lockmore have a have a 65, the... the the Kiladangan goalkeeper Joe Gallagher gave away the 65 this is in the 81st minute and John McGrath sticks this over the bar to put two points in it right so you can take it from there Paddy yeah unbelievable uh, it was Hogan in the goals um, actually gave away the 65 but you know he must have kept the ball he gave away for the 65 because John McGrath 
Oh, it's Hogan, yeah. Yeah, um, he's sub-goalie for tip, but he gave away the 65, but he must have kept it in under his shorts because just as the ball was sailing over there, he popped it out into his hand and was ready to go. Ball barely gone and just poked it down. And, and you mentioned Joe Gallagher there. Um, ball poked straight down top, probably their, you know, their biggest man in the forward line. And, you know, all year he's been catching balls, but Lockmore had limited him all day and it was the first ball he caught of the day. It's a first clean possession. And all you could see, all I can see in the replay is Lockmore lets trying to stream back like you know they're yeah. like they're like an army That's over fair. the over the ditch at war they're trying to get over but they can't get back and Brian Lockton just just absolutely you know uh sort of like a stamp on a letter now top corner absolutely unbelievable finish great young player but the the Kildangan crowd went absolutely insane um and it was some finish now as a neutral I played both teams in the last few years and they're great teams as a neutral, it was unbelievable finish. Like it didn't yeah. give a goosebumps thinking back on it how good it was. Uh, but to win, you know, and I don't know what Killer Dangan have ever won that match if only for something like that because every time they get a pint ahead or they get back a draw, lock more, get a pint or lock more, keep going. Uh, such as the club there. But what a finish! And you know, I suppose if you're going to win something, that's that's certainly the way to do it. Yeah, and the Royal Rover stuff continues because obviously Brian McLaughlin had been taken off in the 44th minute and came back on to score one two and got that and got that goal and fair play to him for going for the goal. I made a buzz of that. It was Joe Gallagher obviously who caught the caught the poker. Brian Hogan illegal by sticking the by having a ball stuck into his short. There's no way he would have got the ball back up back that quickly. He w- would have had another ball, would he? Yeah, I say I say he had a ball inside the goals or something. Yeah. But hey, come here. Uh, if it was me and it was my goal, yeah, I'd be I'd be encouraging him to do the same. For not cheating, or not trying. But um, look, he's dead right. It's up to the referee to referee the game or the umpires. So yeah, yeah in my in my opinion, that's you know that's up to Lockmore to be back and ready to go. But I know they were disappointed with some of the officiating around it. But you know, I suppose if if they're in that position, I know well they'd be doing the, the exact same. No, there's no doubt about that. I remember, I, geez, I was just, even, you're right, thinking back on it, like, I mean, the crowd going crazy. And, and my big memory of the final whistle is the Lockmore lads, because just, they just fell to the ground. There was nothing more they could do. Like, I I practically fell down and I was on the couch. I just fell down going, what the hell? <laughs> you know, not that I wasn't even up for either team. I was just like, oh, God, it, my heart went down. Them. You couldn't you couldn't help but being invested. But I suppose there was a kind of a close in on Old McGrath for the first 10 seconds after the final whistle and it was like he went from shock to hurt to anger all in 10 seconds As a, you know and obviously we saw after the football final there was a, an unbelievable picture of him but certainly you could see he just couldn't believe it just nearly not understanding what just happened Yeah, and you know look I suppose you'd go a long time before we see an end to a match like that again no, absolutely incredible. Another one is for the club as well, uh, Connor Dungannon. Um, they won the Catron Championship for the first time in 64 years. This was after a penalty shootout. Now, this is just absolutely incredible stuff. They won the county final on the 10th penalty. So every player had took uh, two penalties each. Kieran Barker, who's a corner back, had missed the fifth penalty for them to win the, the county title. And he came back up for the 10th and scored the 10th. Even more incredible is every single one of Dungannon's four championship games went to extra time. And I'm pretty sure two of them went to penalties. This is the most unprecedented win, the hardest club win that has ever, ever been done. And obviously there was incredible scenes at the end of that game as well. As if the Tyrone Championship isn't hard enough to win anyway, uh, Willie. And then going to extra time, as you say, it was a four times in a row, I think, or something like that. And not yeah. only that, so Kieran Barker, did, he scored the... Uh, that was the second penalty he took in that game. But in the semi-final, if memory serves me correctly, he kicked a 45. He did. Uh, he did. Last kick of the game to send it to 
pretended extra time as far as I know. So what a story. And even, Woody, you know, I was just reading back on, um, I was just kind of refreshing my memory this morning and I saw that he, uh, Kieran Barker, he, he dedicated to the penalty or the, the win to uh, a friend of his who had died in childhood about 10 years before. So it's just a really nice kind of touch um, touch on that as well. But like the Dungannon story this year was unbelievable. Even the Tyrone Football Championship and, and luckily like TG Carr picked their games really well. And then there was a couple obviously on BBC Northern Ireland as well. But like, nearly every game that you tuned into in Tyrone seemed to go to penalties and they were really dramatic penalty shootouts they weren't the kind of damn squib that you're used to when they're over after two penalties as well but like the Dungannon story was um was unbelievable was absolutely unbelievable and what a way to do you know like you know some people some people say the penalty shootout is a terrible way to win it and I feel sorry for those who lost those but in terms of drama for the neutral and the television viewer this year of all years, it was absolutely fantastic and no better place to, than in Tyrone. Yeah, it definitely was. Cork Kerry is the obvious one. We've spoken about that already. Cavan Donegal, the goal to seal that at the end. So Cavan went to point up in the 64th minute. And I suppose the drama and the incredible finish in this is kind of on the back of Tipperary beating Cork. And we're on a Sunday. And of course, the hurlers get all the glory the day before. I can't remember which game was it. Which game was that the night the night before that? I can't remember any of us, but it, was a, it could have been Galway Tipperary great game. And we're thinking the, ne- the next day then it's going to be like, oh God, two one-sided finals. And then Cavan go a point up in the 64th minute. Loads of time for Donegal. Absolutely nothing to worry about. Still thought Donegal were going to win it. And then nothing happens until the 71st minute, I'm pretty sure. Three minutes of injury time left. And uh, uh, Thomas Galligan catch, as usual. And a Garod McKiernan long... Uh, ball and Connor Mannon rattles the net almost you know disbelief uh, Paddy at that stage because there's no way back uh, for, for Donegal when that goes in No I was like yourself watching it I thought um, look Donegal such quality over the last few years I thought they'd push on and get a couple of scores but I think it's like Killadang and, and when you haven't won something in such a long time and maybe your players don't have experience you probably need that big score a goal at the right time uh, to really just seal it because it's so, so hard, so difficult to come from not having that tradition or not having that experience winning to get over the line. So it was a smash and grab, really, you know, back to booting it in and uh, and putting away the finish. But uh, they deserved it on the night, in fairness. I uh, thought Donegal mm. really kind of just were, were like, you know, during the headlights, they were quite shocked as the game went on. Uh, they probably didn't expect to be in, in such a tight affair. Yeah, you'd almost call them flops, wouldn't you? According to uh, <laughs> so the other other incredible finish to a game was Aidan Hart um, again, or as Galway versus Tipperary. So this this was we'll talk about this a little bit more in game of the years. An incredible game. Um, four minutes left of normal time. You think Tipperary kind of had done enough? They'd gone into a two point lead, and you know they looked like they were going to hold on, and a corner back of all people comes up and smashes a brilliant goal into the bottom corner. Great drama in that one as well, Paddy. Super drama and, um, you know, you couldn't say Galway didn't deserve it either. Um, but as, as I suppose I alluded to after the game, like Tip had a man down uh, at that stage and they were doing very, very well with a man down and probably physically not as, as fast or as strong as the Galway lads, but they're holding them at bay. But then the, the man, like Aidan Hart would not have been there if, if it was 15 on 15. He'd have definitely been marking somebody out the field. Mm. So just at the, you know, at that small, most important time, he came up and fair play to him. It takes a bit of battle to get all the way up the field, but I think he started his career as a Galway senior, as a wing forward. So I'd say, I'd say he has an awful lot of time played uh, for his club up the field and you'd know by him, he, he shot the ball low past Brendan Maher and I suppose that kind of blinded Hogan in the goals and straight in the corner but without that goal again there's a good possibility Tipperary would have seen it out 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's difficult to pick a winner in this one. We have Dungannon, uh, Killadangan and Cork versus Kerry probably shortlisted in this one. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Dungannon, lads, to go for all your four games to go at extra time and then 10 penalties in the final and the cornerback that scored the winning penalty had missed a fifth penalty to win it. I think when you add all that up in 64 years, I know Killadangan, it probably came down between uh, Dungannon and Killadangan in the end. I'm going to go with Dungannon just by a whisker. Okay, so award number four is Controversy of the Year. And I suppose we talked about Dungannon winning the first county title in 64 years. There's a little bit of controversy came out of this because Arlene Foster wasn't too happy about the pitch um, invasion. She tweeted, uh, significant milestone for Dungannon, but COVID-19 is no respecter of victories. Other events being responsible. Sport and health will be the losers. Ulster GEA needs to address this. Serious questions arising from videos. And then she continued on, deeply concerned about the images from yesterday's GEA match. I suppose, Connor, this was all at a time where, <laughs> Jesus, clubs are winning county titles. There's pitch invasions. Like, I mean, I, people don't obviously don't understand the emotion that's invested in these games. But at the same time, you understand from that public health perspective, they're completely not the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a few stories like um, like the Dungannon story where, you know, I think the Black Rock and the Cork in, in Cork was the same, where they hadn't won it in a long time. So obviously it's it's tied up in huge emotion. But I suppose like the kind, the kind of annoying thing about this, uh, Willie, at the time, and I remember is that like the, it seemed to be the situations seem to be managed differently in different counties. Do you know what I mean? So like some counties, the it seemed to be managed very well. Like I remember, I think it was a, a game in Galway and there was footage of... Um, the one of the, was over the PA fans were called out for not socially distancing, you know, that kind of way. And then you, there was a lot of pictures going around of club games elsewhere where, you know, fans couldn't be more tightly packed together. So obviously it was, it was being kind of governed differently. So while, listen, you can, in all situations, you could understand, um, you could understand the kind of emotion. It just, it, it wasn't a good look. And, and the, the thing about it was, is that a lot of them came, you know, within various weekends of each other. So, you know, so there was maybe one weekend where it was Black Rock, another weekend Dungan, and it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good look for the GA. And like, there's, you know, there's, there's obviously some responsibility the clubs have to take, and 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 that the, you know, the the teams have to take and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, then as well, people have to take their their own personal responsibility. They should maybe have known themselves that it wasn't a good situation to get involved in. But um, it was a pity because, like, at the end of it all, it took away from, especially in Dungannon's case, you know, what was what really kind of a remarkable achievement. Yeah, I, I would say no one in Gannon. I didn't say it didn't take away from anything with anybody in Dungannon, if you're being honest. Maybe but the union, is, <laughs> the union has definitely went to town on it. Connor's mentioned the other one, Paddy, this is Black Rock, the Rockies. Like, I'm not going to lie, this, the supporters got banned from every club match after these celebrations. This was the kind of last straw as, the, as far as the G were concerned. These Black Rock, these lads marched back into the village with all their supporters like on St. Patrick's Day. Didn't even try. Didn't even try. After <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just a horrific... Like, we, do you know how we shouldn't be laughing? No, we shouldn't. Oh. Like, I mean, it's hard not to laugh. It was so, it was so bad. You're talking about flouting rules. This is just, <laughs> you know, it doesn't exist for 24 hours. But I, hey, come here. I know how it feels. Like, you know, I would, not that I'd hate. Look, you, you take a county final anytime you can get it. Like, I know the Killer Angle has waited so long because they're closest to me. And, you know, it must be fair hard, you know. That one thing you've always done, like, most of your life is based around this. And you can't really enjoy it to the maximum. Like, there's nobody, you can't tell me that it's as enjoyable. Like, it's not, it's just not. So, 
uh, the Rockies lads didn't really didn't care much for the rules, but I mean to have the video it was like Green Street. It was like the two of them meeting in the middle of the them, but no terrible look. And do you know what? Do you know what the killer is like before the GA got going this year when it was all agreed about it was all like we just want to play the games, you know, nothing will happen. People are just happy it's on, and the minute it's on, then we want a little bit more. So I think Ireland is very much taking uh, give an inch, take a mile. So. Um, yeah. Well, that was the cause of a lot of things being looked at again. In in their defence, and look, you're right, we shouldn't be laughing at it, but look, it was all, it was just so bad. I I actually think it was funny because this was at the time where, geez, everybody needs to cop on at this stage, and they just marched up the town. Like, what would you have done in Boris Lee? Paddy the cock wouldn't be out before the match. You wouldn't have the same celebrations after. It must have been a terribly weird weird situation for 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 the clubs that that won them. It is, and like it's like it's so enjoyable winning. Like you see, I you know I looked at Kildare the most because that was the you know Tipperary Championship, and they had a great time on the field. But it was like people were walking around in circles instead of you know the whole thing yeah. where you come together and you hug and that 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 real sweet moment. I suppose you meet your family and it and it wasn't there. But that's not to take away from the achievement. But it's just that enjoyment of the achievement afterwards. Um, you know, I'm sure you know. Kildangan or whoever in any county would love would say, yeah, I would have loved if it was that moment where you could meet everyone in the parish in the middle of the field. Um, so it's not there. But I don't. What would you have done afterwards? I don't know. You would have got every mobile phone and put it away anyway. But you would have tried to keep some lid on things uh, in a way because it did not too much came out. It's just the things that did come out were uh, damning. Yeah, I'm sure there's loads of she beans down your way anyway, Paddy. You'd be safe out. <laughs> I, <laughs> wouldn't, even, I wouldn't know about them. I wouldn't know about them. It could even be underground she beans or anything down there. Um, right. The other the other nomination for this is Dr. David Hickey, lads. This was an article that came out before the All Ireland final um, in the Examiner. And like, I mean, if you want to talk about a hard hitting article, this is what you're talking about. This lad spared nobody. So, like, I mean, and like it definitely caused a big controversy um, online before the All Ireland final. And I have to give give uh, Dr. David Hickey credit for this because he spares nobody. He's out for blood. He's just attacking anyone that um, is around. And of a few, of a few, and Mayo are the biggest target of his of his uh, of his um, article. So, like, I mean, here's a few quotes from it, and like, there's some great stuff in it. So he says, "Mayo win all the All Stars awards and Player of the Year and all this sort of crap, but they always do because they're such a tragic outfit." Andy Moran getting Player of the Year. He played half a game in every match. The Mayo goal, the Mayo goalkeeper, a good one. He doesn't even give him the respect of saying his name. The Mayo goalkeeper getting an All Star ahead of Cluxon there one year. Then he goes on, he says, but I don't rate Mayo and I don't think Mayo will be close at the end of the game. Then he goes on, he's talking about Dublin getting no respect. He says, they won't get respect from guys like Mick O'Dwyer who are steeped in their own importance. So Mikko's getting a, a lashing out of it. Then he continues on, he says, why don't Cork, this is about Dublin being split. He says, why don't Cork, Kerry and Tipperary join forces rather than splitting Dublin in two? And maybe they could get to an All-Ireland final then. Um, then he continues on again. Kerry were similar against Cork, too arrogant and no achievements whatsoever. They've won nothing. They won a league this year that nobody gave a damn about. When the fat was in the fire, they packed it in. That group will never win in All-Ireland. That's on Kerry. And then he finishes up with the last quote that I got out of it. He's talking about splitting Dublin. He says, split Dublin and the two Dublin teams will be in the final for the next 20 years. And that will sicken people even more. And I think that's the funniest quote to end on, Connor, because if you're saying don't split Dublin, but if you split Dublin both teams would be in the final surely that's a reason to split Dublin <laughs> absolutely yeah he, he said it himself there if only if only some people were going to take the message on but that was funny he was like a, it was like John Rambo or something Willie David Hickey was like kicking down the door and then he just let let fire and nobody was safe there was no women children or nothing everybody was going to get it from him but 
I saw this come out in the day of the um the morning of the All Ireland final, and I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to read this. I said, <laughs> I said, I know what he's doing here. I know what's up. This is out there to wind up Mayo supporters, and I'm not going to bite. And I didn't at the time, but of course I saw it afterwards. And ah, listen, if if I get defensive about it, like you know, for for somebody who doesn't rate Mayo, he seems very bothered about the fact that you know the Andy Moran was getting all stars and. And and David Clark was getting all stars, and they're a tragic outfit and all that sort of stuff. So like, like that's it's not Andy Moran's fault he was getting the all stars, or, or David Clark's fault he was getting all stars, or anything like that, you know. And it was the same with um, uh, Joe Brawley. Like they 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 timed it well. Like Joe Brawley had an article come out the night of the game, and he started on about Mayo's celebrity culture again, and he he never elaborated. He 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 didn't explain what he meant, and he didn't explain who he was on about. And it was the same here. We were we were talking with Joe Brennan the day before the day, you know, a couple of days before the All-Ireland final and he spoke about this perception about Mayo and he wasn't able to really back it up who he was talking about or, or who's responsible for this celebrity culture so uh, regarding David Hickey and Mayo Woolley I've, I've, I've long long passed you know let 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 people like that um, kind of bother me but he certainly he certainly did the job and launched the grenade and, and a lot of people were affected by it on the day of the game he definitely did. You wouldn't, the closest to this kind of stuff is Gerlach Nan in hurling, but it's more of a community in hurling, Paddy, where you, do, you just don't take, the, you don't take the gloves off as much in hurling as this kind of thing. Yeah, no, that, this is enjoyable. Though. This, this, <laughs> this is so, I'm sorry, Connor, like, God, would you love to hear more of it? I think you should try and get him on the GA hour for next year because the bombs that are going in there, but uh, <laughs> I suppose we, we have, I, I think he's up in Dublin there. I think maybe he could be friendly with Babs Keating because Babs, Babs, Babs would, yeah. would come out with him. But usually the problem is Babs says it about his own. But anyway, that's that's for another day. But um, ah, look, here, come here. He's probably not too, too far away from the truth in a lot of what he says. But um, of course, there is a bit of hyperbole. But um, look, it, it makes for very, very good reading. The only thing it does is, it, as much as it could fire the Mayo lads, um, it probably puts the like Dublin's biggest chance of losing in All Ireland over the last year or two would be complacency. And when you see your own lad sort of sticking the knife into your opposition, you kind of go, "Jesus, we better be on our game today." So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was very funny. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I actually did ask him on the show, not as a regular, but to talk about that article for this Thursday. And uh, he read the message and he didn't reply. So if he thinks Mick O'Dwyer is steeped in his own importance, I'd say he thinks I'm the greatest little bollocks he's ever come across. <laughs> or no, he might he might not even know my name. He'd be, be more like David Clark, that Mayo goalkeeper. He'd say that leash prick or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> No reply. It's the worst thing. I'd rather. I'd rather if he said "f off." Really, just, just. <laughs> okay. Notable mentions in controversy of the year: Morris Shanahan and Noel Connors getting dropped by Liam Cahill so early. Two All Stars, and there was two tunnel rows during the year. One with Tyrone and Dublin back in the league, where there was some fair old flaking going on, but the cameras it didn't really pick it up too much. And there was a tunnel row, obviously, in the All Ireland final. Um, with Dublin and Mayo, Philly McMahon, you know, gave a few verbals and Mayo reacted. So you can make up your own mind whether you think that's part of the game. Mayo shouldn't have reacted or Philly shouldn't have been saying that. I would be more on the line that Mayo shouldn't have reacted and Philly is well able to wind them up um, if he wants to. So I think the winner um, of this has to go to Dr. David Hickey for really, you know, lynching absolutely everyone and reading my text message and not bothering his arse even to even to reply back to it. So congratulations, Dr. David Hickey, Controversy of the Year.
All right, award number five is for game of the year. So in football, we'll start off with here, um, Connor. I think actually, do you know what? We'll start with hurling because let's be honest, I was struggling for more. Hurling, hurling was easier to find. And it's no, it's no, it's not rocket science to know that better. We, we have more good games in the hurling championship because division one teams play each other. And in the football championship, you probably have to wait till all in semifinals for that to happen. And Dublin are so dominant, they might ruin two of those, you know, the, or the, those three games. So, like, I mean, we'll start with the hurling because the better games are in that. And, and we've already mentioned this. Tipperary, Galway in the qualifiers, 224-223. Uh, we mentioned Aidan Hart's last goal. This, this was a great game, Paddy, in that Tip started brilliantly. Then Galway took over. Then, then it was back to Tip. And then the second half was nip and tuck. And then it was a late goal, won it. It kind of had everything. And then the Cottle Barrett sending off controversy. Liam Cal comments about the referee after the game. It was just this. This was the game of the championship up until that point. It uh, probably was, yeah, and it probably needed something to get going. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of big margin wins. Um, but I think, you know, I suppose balance-wise, I would have said Galway were probably just the better team on the day. But as you said, Tip gave it, a, you know, their older, their older crew, um, I think, gave it what they could. You know, I'd be very, as a Tip man, I'd be fierce proud of the way they're going about their business. They're into their 30s now, but they're, you know, they're still leading the charge for Tipperary. But um, Galway, and through the match to me, I said it before, Galway looked like they were just on the edge of kind of pushing tip over a cliff. You know, they were just close to, to doing that. And it took them right up until the end, till, till the sending off. And the sending off, there was a controversy enough about that. I thought, you know, bar the first yellow, I thought the second yellow was pretty fair. But I do think the tip probably, you know, had a good chance of getting to the end if, uh, if that didn't go. But it had everything. Had great performance, a very, very physical match. I think Galway showed their, their size in that match and, and were able to put a lot of pressure on the tip players. But super scores, I mean, even thinking of Norm McGrand, the first half looked like a very, very tired man, but he still lobbed about four pints over his shoulder over the bar. And just, just some great, you know, I remember Concannon's goal. I think he had a great season as well, but a uh, great goal. Wheeling oh, yeah. popped into him into the corner. They just had super, super moments the whole match. And, um, you know, up to that point, it, it nearly saved the championship. Yeah, it definitely did. And we forgot about Galway's tactical change at halftime, taking David Burkoff, who'd been playing great, I thought, up until that point. That had everything. There was no doubt about that. I think the All-Ireland semi-final between Limerick and Galway was a, was a very good game as well. It deserves to be on the shortlist. You had Joe Canning with four sidelines. You had Galway kind of looking out of sight after Limerick's third quarter. And, you know, they got back in. Then Joe Canning got injured. And there was a load of extra time. And Galway, Fintan Burke had an incredible sideline to get it back to a point. And then Tom Morrissey uh, got the last two points. And then the last um, sh- uh, shortlisted short game on this is Waterford Kilkenny in the semi final. So the comeback. So obviously, Callum Lyons made a mistake um, in the first half. It led to a point from uh, John Donnelly, and it was 210 to 7. So there was nine points um, in it. Then Waterford scored 216 from play in the second half. Five from play in the first. Completely nervous in the first half. Stephen Bennett's inspirational point towards the end of the first half. You know, ran from his own forty-five to flick it off the hurl. This had everything. I, I think this one is probably most memorable um, for me, Paddy, because it was on a Saturday night. I was sober for the other two games. I had a few cans in me for this one. It just the, the whole experience, kind of this semi-final, which just was the real deal. You were getting emotional for this one. I know the feeling. <laughs> it's COVID Saturday nights were. You know, fun, um, no, I agree. I I think the Watford Kilkenny semi-final. I think when the drama of that was more so because Watford were so far behind, and even the first half, like Kilkenny to me had their tactics right in that they were ghosting the the Waterford guys. They weren't letting them break tackles to hand pass the ball off. They were winning the battles. They were taking the scores. 
And Waterford looked so nervous. Every pass they tried didn't come off. Uh, as you said, Bennett scored an unbelievable point just before half time to maybe just give him that flicker. And I think whatever management did at half time with him, they, they seemed to, to pull him back together. But that second half performance, maybe Kilkenny people look at themselves and say it's more damning on them um, to let that sort of a scoreline in at that stage. But I think Waterford were just a team possessed in the second half. And maybe looking back on it, I said they had a great chance of winning the final, but maybe that was the. The, the performance that you couldn't come down again and get back up from. Now. I mean, that, that second half, Fagan was unbelievable. Bennett, great game. Desi Hutchinson starts to come into it. They just, they, they, they couldn't be beaten that second half and, and certainly not by Kilkenny. No, and Liam Cal on the sideline firing them up. And like, I mean, there was a whole, it was just a drama of that comeback. And obviously Waterford with the hard luck stories against Kilkenny, usually it was just, it was beyond, it was beyond belief. I think on the football um, side of things, we're, this this football um, game of the year should be sponsored by Kingspan because they nearly all involve Cavan. I think uh, Cavan versus Monaghan in the first round of the Ulster, come back in normal time, the nerves and extra time, then that catch by Thomas Galligan and the free to win it by Raymond Galligan. Like, there was super drama in that, uh, Connor. Then you have Cavan versus Down. Cavan completely out of it at halftime and then just take off the shackles completely. And and I think Connor Madden kicks some outrageous points and a goal um, in that second half. And then you have Cavan Donegal in the, in the Ulster final. I think that was probably the most dramatic and best game probably of the year. I think Tipperary Cork in the, in the Munster final was a very good game as well. And any game that kind of had a little bit of a surprise element to it, you kind of remember. Yeah, yeah. God forbid if Cavan weren't in the championship this year. But I, I have to, I think that Tyrone and Donegal was a decent game under the circumstances as well, Willie. The conditions, yeah. were, conditions were terrible that day. And I think given on what, given what we've kind of seen between the two teams in the last couple of years, there was a worry that, you know, one or the two of them would go ultra defensive, especially in the conditions and turn it into a slugfest. And it was a slugfest to a certain degree, but it was an entertaining slugfest. Um, and like Donegal deservedly come out, came out on top, but I thought that was a good game. And, but after that, like the, the Cavan games, barred the Donegal game, had a bit of a team to them and that Cavan were playing within themselves for ages. And then when they finally decided to take the, the shackles off, they made it into a... Well, they, they played above themselves and then they made them all into really kind of entertaining games, particularly that down one when they came back from 10 points. But the Donegal one was the big one for me because just from a from a neutral's perspective, but like I had a kind of fancy for Cavan because they were underdog. Like I started off that game thinking I don't really give Cavan much of a chance here. And then when they got the black card, when Thomas Galligan got the black card and, and Donegal began to like reel off the points, I thought, right, that's it. At halftime, they're still in with a shout. Then they get the black card. They survive the second black card. And then coming towards the end, I think Martin Riley had a goal chance. And this was coming up uh, maybe five minutes towards the end. And when they missed that, I thought, right, that's finally it. That, that's the final nail in the coffin. And then um, Connor Madden came up and, and kind of rescued it then at the end. So I just, what I loved about that game was the, the just the sheer manic intensity that Cavan brought to it and typified no more than like action man Thomas Galligan, who was, who was everywhere that day. And, you know, given the interview afterwards with blood streaming from his face and stuff like that. So, and then just the occasion, Cavan's first Ulster since 97. Obviously, they couldn't do it in front of their fans, but the, the scenes afterwards were still still incredible. So, uh, as they were in tip, but I just, um, for tip versus Cork, I have to give that a mention there for Paddy. But I just thought in terms of the quality of the game, combined with the, the atmosphere and, and how much it meant to them, I think that Cavan Donegal game was the best for me. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think, well, I think the hurling one comes down between Waterford Kilkenny and Galway tip into qualifiers. And I think that Waterford Kenny shades that. And I think the, the winner in the football comes down between Cavan and Donegal and Cavan and Monaghan. Cavan and Monaghan remember that extra time. Maybe it was so early in the championship, yeah. you know, we, don't, we probably don't remember it so much. But that was incredibly dramatic with that long uh, free kick um, to win it. But I think you're right for the, for the drama and for what's, what was at stake, um, the Cavan versus Donegal. So that's it. Game of the year in hurling is Waterford Kilkenny. And in football, it's Cavan versus Donegal. <laughs> Award number six, lads, is individual performance of the year. And in hurling, we have a short list of Garod Hegarty versus Waterford, all seven from play, um, seven points from play. And I think what makes this incredible is the pressure he was under because, like, he's a player of the year favourite going into it. And we see a lot of players kind of maybe blow up a little bit with that pressure um, on them. You have Shane Bennett or Stephen Bennett, sorry. Do I keep calling Stephen Bennett Shane Bennett? Because I have him written down Shane Bennett here. Stephen Bennett versus Kenny. He got 110, 1-4 from play. And we've mentioned that unbelievable point and that unbelievable, like all of his points that day were, were spectacular. Um, then you have Tony Kelly versus Limerick. He got 17 points in total, eight points from play. This is on a losing team. This is in a game where Clare are beaten out the gate, really, in the second half. And he's still able to score 17 points. And you have Tony Kelly versus Wexford. You have 115 he scored that day out of 121 and 16 from play. So I suppose they're the four shortlists that I have, Paddy. Yeah. Um, look, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to choose. but And I was looking at, you know, a couple of those performances, if they were in any other year, would, would get performance of the year. But to me, just looking at Tony Kelly, I think a couple of factors. Number one, I think he doesn't have the complementary players with him. Uh, that that the other players maybe Shane Bennett has and Groad Hegarty has Stephen so, Bennett you're making the same mistake Stephen Bennett in front of me too but anyway but uh, he doesn't have that that same quartet behind him and I would have often been a little bit critical of Tony Kelly thinking saying that most of his points are off other people's hard work in terms of they'll win the ball they'll get the ball to Tony and Tony will put it over the bar but I did think he more took on a role that he was playing corner forward okay a little bit withdrawn but he was getting onto ball himself. He was coming onto breaks. He was winning ball with a man on his back, and he was hitting ball. And then that's that's the easy part, nearly because the balls he was hitting off right and left were from every sort of an angle and every sort of a distance. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think he's like they had a, a good few players missing this year, and even if they had all those players, they probably wouldn't still be at the very very top table. So I think he done absolutely you know fantastic in a couple of games this year, and especially that Limerick one. Um, Garrod Hegarty in an All Ireland final to pull that. Well, that off is 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 huge, and he took some great, brilliant scores. But he, you know, without him and Tom Morris, I suppose the other side, they probably would be a shadow of what they are. I mean, but they work so brilliantly. And the the good thing, if you're out forward in Limerick, you know the backs aren't going to waste the ball, so they have a lot more freedom than maybe a Tony Kelly has or a Shane Bennett has, because you know you can trust the guys to get the ball to you if you get in the right spot. But uh, they're so well tuned to it now that that was brilliant. And Shane Bennett, obviously, we talked about him already. For, for Kilkenny uh, or against Kilkenny Stephen Bennett Jesus against Kilkenny he, uh, he had a great game and, and even as you said that score we have that was nearly the most impressive that before half time that you know yeah. lacking in belief at that stage All-Ireland semi against Kilkenny and he just ran the whole pitch which you usually can't do against Kilkenny and flicked it over and I think he really he dragged Watford with him this year 
So if I'm going to make a decision on this, which Tony Kelly performance am I putting forward to challenge Stephen Bennett? It's Stephen Bennett versus one of the Tony Kelly. Is the Wexford one with those outrageous ones from the sideline off nearly his back to goal and the one from the impossible angle? Is that better than a, than a, than a 17 points in a game you're well beaten in? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, my own reason is Limerick are such a good team. To be able yeah. to do it against such a good team is difficult. I suppose the only thing you would say is that Limerick probably didn't set out a plan for him, whereas Wexford probably did. So he probably beat the Davy Fitzgerald plan to, to clamp him down, which would be a tactic by Davy. But to me, you're playing the All-Ireland, you know, champions elect probably at that stage, mm-hmm. the favourites for it all, mm-hmm. and pull that amount of scores. To get that amount of ball in your hand uh, and put, and obviously score at the end is, is fantastic. So to me, that, that performance against Limerick. Okay, so I have to choose Tony Kelly versus Limerick or Stephen Bennett versus Kilkenny. I'll have a, have a little think about that while we're talking about the football. Football, to be honest, which is pr- probably um, pretty easy, Connor. Killian O'Connor scored 4 9 in a game. Like, I mean, it's an all time record. Like, give me a break. Other short, other shortlisted uh, players are Connor Sweeney versus Cork. Um, outstanding performance, seven points. Um, two from Marks, three from Clay, and two frees. He was captain. It was the bloody sunny anniver- bloody Sunday anniversary. They had different jerseys on. It was against Cork and Parky Keeve, and to pull out a, a captain's uh, performance like that, like I mean, just um, incredible stuff. And Thomas Galligan against Donegal, so he was full forward or midfield. Um, it didn't matter either way um, to him. He had an outstanding game in that. If you can think of any other ones or comment on any of those three. No, I, I think they're the standout, Willie. Like we mentioned Thomas Galligan already uh, against Donegal. He, well, he was everywhere across the championship, but he was particularly everywhere in that game. As you said, win a ball full forward, win a ball midfield. Thought he was even, you'd easily forget that he got a black card as well that was questionable, let's say, um, against Ryan McHugh earlier on. But he didn't let that kind of um, that kind of term, he, the term, he was he was a monster in that game. Conor Sweeney I just thought was so impressive because... Um, Obviously, Cork. Well, they should have. They didn't do it. They didn't do enough. But they should have done their homework and identified him as the main man. To the extent that he was able to get the easiest ball in the first minute from the from the from the throw in and take a mark and kick it over the bar. But that set the tone for his performance that day. As you said, seven points, and you know, just because of the responsibility that would have been on his shoulders with him being captain and the whole history that went into the game for Tipperary, it was it was it was brilliant. Just 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 to just to be able to kind of not be affected by that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, Killy, like it's hard to it's hard to look past Killian O'Connor, and just to say that there was like this this year is as good as as Killian has played in years. The, he's looked as fresh. He had he's been kind of struggling for injuries and in form in recent years, but that seemed to be past him, moving really freely. And I remember actually, I think it was the, on the show after the on the Monday after the game that Keen Ward highlighted one bit in particular when it was in the second half and and. Killian dinked one up off his left foot and and picked and kicked it over with the right or or vice versa and it was just it was just a sign of a guy like uh, full of supreme confidence and really on top of his game and obviously he didn't go for a Mayo in the final but Killian was still really good so four nine in All Ireland semi final four nine in a game in a championship game Willie I don't know you're going to hear of it anytime soon never mind four nine in All Ireland semi final so really hard to look past that and I'm not going to argue if Killian O'Connor is getting individual performance of the year that's for sure. Yeah, four nine in a career. I'd say I could count up if to go back through all through all my games. Uh, Thomas Galligan didn't get a black card against Donegal. I think you're thinking of James Madden, are you? It was oh. Killian Brady and Killian Brady got the one on Ryan McHugh early, and then James Madden got one in the second half. I you, thought it was you said that. Galligan. Sorry, Willie, that's that's my bad. 
No, no, no problem. Okay, so we'll give the, the, the winners of individual performance of the year is very obviously Killian O'Connor. And I, I, in, the, in the hurling, it's a very good decision, but I, a very difficult decision. But I'm going to go with Stephen Bennett because to, when, you're, when, you're, when you're beaten out the gate like that, he inspired a comeback. I think he scored 1-4 within that period to get Waterford back um, level. And the points were spectacular. The goal was spectacular. And, you know, I think without his performance, Waterford wouldn't have that spectacular um, you know, performance, whereas Tony Kelly's was brilliant against Limerick, but almost fighting a losing battle where he didn't inspire a comeback. I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Tony Kelly, but I think Stephen, Stephen Bennett um, in that game with what was riding on it deserves individual performance of the year. So Killian O'Connor and Stephen Bennett, congratulations. <laughs> All right, award number seven. I'm pretty sure it's number seven. Didn't expect that to happen, award of the year. So, like, I mean, there's a few shocks during the year. The first one um, came in football with Paul Galvin um, leaving Wexford. So, I suppose a shock, Paul Galvin getting the Wexford job, and then it was a shock, Paul Galvin leaving the Wexford job. He moved out west um, uh, due to the COVID situation, but it was still a bit of a surprise. Another big one was Mickey Hart, um, leaving Tyrone probably not that big of a surprise but joining Loud that was probably the biggest shock shock of them all uh, Mickey Hart to Loud another little mild shock was Jim McGuinness training Galway I thought th- those videos were pretty funny when they came out of the you know the kind of drill that you probably would have done you know at under 16 level um, Jim McGuinness obviously had his own reasons uh, for doing that with Galway but even to see him training Galway Jim and Porrich Ice are, are good friends from from Tralee IT, but it's still a little bit of a surprise. Then there was some shocks, uh, retirements this year. Dear McConnelly being a big one, Jack McCaffrey being a big one, Colin Kavanagh being a big one, Philip Mahoney being a big one, Shane Dowling being a big one. I suppose Shane Dowling was the kind of the one biggest surprise, really, um, uh, Paddy, considering that, you know, he's still very young and it was injury forced him to do it rather than his own choice. Yeah, I'd say, and that's that's kind of heartbreaking. I'd say even for his club at the minute, I think it's probably doubtful he'll be playing much hurling. Um, so it's tough, but you, I can remember him being 17, maybe 18, playing for Limerick under-21s, maybe winning a Munster final anyway, not sure to do it. So there's a lot of mileage on the clock there, and look, he wouldn't be the most naturally athletic person running around the pitch if you, if you look at him compared to the other Limerick guys. So, you know, that can come against you, but uh, that it's surprising with his age. But having to do with you know doctor's guidance, that's fair enough. Like I was really, really surprised at Philip Mahoney's. Yeah. Um I don't like to me he's still at the peak of his power. He's still one of the better uh Watford players, certainly one of the best backmen they have. And I think he would have been a, a brilliant drive on for them this year, even though the two wing backs you couldn't you couldn't fault them, but maybe you could have pushed one of them into a different position and um, strengthen up the whole team. So I'd say maybe Liam Cal still has hope that he might come back next year seeing the positive steps that were taken. But to me that was really surprising. because uh, we played him in the Munster Club last year um and he was still was well able to go like I mean he's inter-county standard so two of them were, were surprising but I suppose Philip Mahoney for me was more so because there was no doctor's advice or anything like that. Yeah, I suppose from a football, well, Philip Matney, yeah, if he went back, Kevin Moore and could get a handier job as a wing forward, maybe, or something like that, like he did when he was under uh, Derek McGrath. I suppose in the football, the, the biggest shock was Jack McCaffrey because he had been playing before the the, the COVID break, um, Connor. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's really rare to see, you know. Actually, no, that was Colin Kavanagh. Colin Kavanagh had been playing before the COVID break. Had Jack McCaffrey been? I think he could have been as well. Well, he hadn't retired. 
Um, no, I'm yeah. pretty sure he was. Uh, he played a league game in Tyrone because wasn't he saying? Yeah, yeah. He, he made his mind up on the bus on the way back. Was, he was going to do it, but I, I like it's just rare that you see somebody who's possibly the well, definitely the top three, the best players in the game, re- retire while they're still at the top of their game. Um, like I suppose the only like he's he's expanded very well since. In fairness to him, and and in fairness to Jack, he is like a free spirit. He's he's gone away after after winning all Ireland. He's taken a year out before, uh, and and when you look at kind of his. The milestones that he has achieved, he's like he's been footballer of the year, he's been all star multiple times, man the match in a couple of all Ireland finals. I'm pretty sure multiple all Ireland titles. So it's not as if he he hasn't packed a lot into their career, but but that's it. It's just it's rare to see somebody at the top of their game kind of decide to call the day. Um, that was that, that that was the big one for me, I suppose. Jim McConley maybe not as much as a surprise because of the, the limited game time he's got in the last couple of years, and Colin Kavanagh again. Just maybe he's he's getting towards his mid thirties, and again he's explained it in that I think um, a business that he was setting up in London and, and didn't really have the time to put towards it anymore. But of all the, of all the ones of all the ones um, of all the retirements, Jack McCaffrey. But of all the things that you mentioned there, if you told me at the start of the year this was going to happen, Mickey Hart going to Loud was was definitely the biggest one for me. I did not uh, wouldn't be again wouldn't be surprised that he left Tyrone because he'd been there for so long, but didn't see him joining Loud within the space of a few weeks, really. Yeah, no, that was definitely so. I think with the Jack McCaffrey one, I was being a bit cheeky on Twitter, um, talking about Jack McCaffrey saying the fun had gone out of it. And like, if the fun had gone out of it, maybe the whole package, but you know, you've just won in all Ireland after being man of the match in the drawn match, scoring one three from wing back in an incredible performance, shortlisted for player of the year, another all star. You're coming back to play all your games the next year in Croke Park. You're coming back to be favourites to win the all Ireland. You know, you're, you're coming back in to, to a team being the best wing back in the country. I don't know, Pat. How would the fun be gone out of that? He should try and tug out for leash for a year, and he'll know all about fun gone out of stuff. <laughs> I think. Look, I suppose I know, and my own brother's involved in the media and uh, yourself, but you you'd be given out when lads aren't telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, the truth. And yeah. I suppose the thing is, you look back, you probably won a good few county finals with leash, and after a certain amount, I'm sure the sort of buzz goes out of that. And I think it's. Yeah, if you're on the outside looking in, you're saying, well, how could that ever ruin, how could the fun be gone out of that? I know myself, even playing inter-county, like, like you know, um, your first few months in there, it's like, oh my God, you know, all my Christmases have come at once. But unless you're in that position, you'll never realise, because when you're with the county, after a year, two years, three years, it just becomes like, you know, every person that's playing with their club, you know, yeah. it's that, the, the shine has gone off it. And I think the same for Jack McCaffrey. I think he's, you know, the easiest thing in the world for him would be to slip in there. He'd be playing every match, let's be honest. He'd probably play brilliantly every match uh, and slip in, probably win a few more All-Irelands. And there was one to be won within two or three months if he had gone back. And I think, to me, I'd have to completely respect that because he's just saying, look, at the minute, I'd only be doing it really probably to have the medals and to have the accomplishments and that's not what life is like is, is about for him probably yeah no that's true no and I completely understand and he's a doctor who lo- works long hours so it's the whole package of the things like I'm just being cheeky comparing playing in Crow Park and saying there's no fun I was going, thinking about being really cheeky and saying only Jim Gavin could take the fun out of winning a five in a row Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that with you Willie <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so didn't ex- didn't expect that to happen of the year award. I think for all those reasons we've just discussed, probably Jack McCaffrey um, retiring was I didn't expect that to happen of the year award. So listen, we're all big fans of Jack McCaffrey on the show. So congratulations to him from that. I'm sure he'll put it up, to put the Woolley Award up there with all his other awards. 
Okay, final award um, for the day. We're nearly out of time on the Woolley Awards for 2020. It's number eight. It's embarrassing broadcast moment of the year. And usually this is one I'd really enjoy doing because you could be guaranteed you'd be giving it to Des Cahill or you'd be giving it to Rachel Wise or Brian Carney or somebody like that, who I love to dish out um, the, the slagging to on this show. But unfortunately... Um, we have to take a look in the mirror this year on embarrassing broadcast moment of the year and realize that obviously the Eddie Brennan interview that went out, um, the private conversation went out, an awful mess up from the show. And I don't want to give the GER this award, um, lads, because obviously don't want this to reflect on Paddy Stapleton, Connor Heenahan or any of the brilliant pundits that contribute to the show. So it's only me. I have to be given this award because I want to take uh, I want to take any of the, the blame away from you. And listen, there's no doubt the blame um, rests on my shoulders as producer of the show. So I'm going to accept this award. I'm going to put it on the mantelpiece beside my minor All-Ireland. Um, and really, Paddy, there's been no, there's only one nomination really for this award. There's only one nomination. And uh, I, I did receive I did receive copy of it at the time, and I nearly crawled into a ball. So I don't know how you felt. Um, <laughs> I but look, I suppose it, it was just so unfortunate. It's just it's just so tough. And uh, you know, I suppose I talk to different people, and you always have there's conspiracy theorists everywhere. And look, and I think anyone with two brain cells rubbed together would realise that you get no long term. Uh, success if you're Willie Parkinson by putting that out on purpose like I think anyone would know that um, no. so look at I knew haven't told me to say anything and I don't care but I just know myself the way the show has gone for me over the last few years but uh, who wants who wants you You were a player yourself you know the crack um, and you know you feel for Eddie as well but look I, I think it's something even now I don't think either of you have come out too bad over it certainly Eddie hasn't because uh, I think a lot of people say what sort of truths he was talking and how much he wants to win and, and, and his desire. So uh, while it was kind of, it was probably terrible for you for a few days, I hope you can look back and at least you're able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, I haven't really reached a point where I'm laughing at myself yet, if I'm being honest. It's still a, it's still a little bit raw. And just, I have to say, ringing Eddie Brennan to tell him that news was probably the hardest phone call I've ever had to I've ever had to make. So there's no there's no doubt about that. So that's it. Embarrassing broadcast moment of the year goes to Colin Parkinson of the GEA. All right, so that's it here for the Woolley Awards in 2020. There's only one thing left to do, and that is to pick our all-star teams. We've done a version in hurling already, Paddy, but I'll get your one um, as well. Myself and uh, Brian Carroll did one a, a, a few weeks ago before Christmas. So the all-star football team is Raymond Galligan in goals, Oshin Mullen, Nick Fitzsimons and Kieran Brady, full back line. Paddy Durkin, John Small, James McCarthy, half back line. Thomas Galligan, Brian Fenton, midfield. Garod McKiernan, Kieran Kilkenny and Conor Callaghan. Killian O'Connor, Connor Sweeney and Dean Rock. Um, so you're looking at a breakdown here of Dublin 7, Cavan 4, Mayo 3, Tip 1. Um, Connor, some people annoyed with me for having more from Cavan and Mayo. And I don't think there's any obvious ones outside of the three boys from Mayo, if I'm being honest. And I think when you look at the, the Cavan boys coming through the games they did, a, a lot of people miss miss. Uh, analyze all stars as in as far as you get in the championship, yeah. you know, or, or what a good team you're on. And you know, a lot of people giving Niall Scully an all star. As far as I'm concerned, Niall Scully does a good job in a brilliant team. He, ne- he it's not he's for Niall Scully to get all stars. He needs to be man of the match in two or three games. You know, the all stars in Dublin are the Brian Fenton's, the Kilkenny's, the Cons who get the spectacular important scores 
when you know when they're needed and are consistently good. John Small, James McCarthy, for the likes of an own merchant or a or a or a Niall Scully to be getting all stars, they need to have an absolutely outstanding year. Because if you look at the Cavan boys, even above the Mayo boys, Kieran Brady, Thomas Gallagher, Grod McKiernan and Raymond Galligan, these were heroic performances. Do you know? And I think that's what, I think that's been, All-Stars have been moved away. Oh, they got hammered against Dublin. That's irrelevant to me. They were heroic performances to get them to win an Ulster title. And for me, that's the whole essence of winning an All-Star. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm from Mayo, Willie. I don't take any offence to the fact that there's more more Cavan players in there. I mean, we talked about the game of the year there, contenders for the game of the year there a little while ago. And how many of them were from Cavan? I mean, like Cavan, yeah. when you look back in the Cavan, were the story there. And like, it's not a contest. It, it's like, you know, Mayo might have got to a final. They might have may, maybe put it put it up to um, put it up to Dublin a little better than Cavan, but it's not a contest to see who lost by less to, to Dublin, basically. So Cavan really were the story of the year. Oh, the only, I wouldn't really have many arguments with, with you, Woolly. I would make it, I would make a case for Niall Scully. I thought he had a brilliant year and beyond just being a good player, I thought he was particularly influential in the uh, in the All-Ireland final and especially just after half time where, you know, uh, Dublin were down to, Dublin were down a man and that that's when they kind of really pushed away from Mayo or when Mayo failed to take advantage. I thought Niall Scully had a very good year. Apart from that, the only, yeah, you mentioned there beyond the three Mayo lads, I thought, um, I actually thought Jeremy O'Connor had a good year uh, good year, maybe not enough to get an all-star, but outside of the three lads that you already mentioned, he'd be next. On my Paul McLaughlin probably in the mix the there reason, too. Paul McLaughlin and Tommy Conroy didn't have great finals, but they had great years up, up until that. I'm sure they might be in contention for young football of the year and they're probably in contention for all-stars in years years to come. But outside of that, no, I wouldn't have any huge... If Donegal had a decent... If Donegal hadn't been beaten by Cavan, I thought Pater Morgan was going really well and in, in contention. But outside of that, I think you're fairly spot on. Yeah, I think that. What do you think, Paddy? Like, I mean, with the domination of Dublin and potentially potential domination of Limerick, I think that you could already make a case to say Limerick are dominating two of the last three All Irelands, uh, two monsters in a row, two leagues in a row. Like, if if the Ulsters are going to go based on oh, well, they're beating everybody by a lot. Like, you're going to have ten, eleven Dublin and Limerick players on every Ulster team, but is that what they're about? Um, to me, it's very, very simple. Um, the best players in their positions that year. I the thing about the All Stars that I hate is if a lad's playing wing for forward all year, he's picked as a midfielder. Yeah. You know, you're actually because sometimes okay, there's a lesser player um playing that midfield role, but he's a lesser player and he's after playing brilliant that year, it could be his only chance ever for an all-star, but they bring a superstar quote unquote or a media darling out of his position into that guy's position, he misses out on an all-star, which could be fantastic for him. Um, and that, and to me, it's strictly, it's not about the numbers. It's not about who won the All-Ireland. It's not about who played the best that year. And look, again, I, the only thing I would say is you'd have to play two, three, four games. Um, if a guy had one or two good games, was knocked out, I think it's very, very hard to say all-star material. But if he played three games or over and he's been exceptional in all of them, um, then, then I'd be putting him in no matter who won the All-Ireland. Yeah, no, I think I think that's I think that's right, and I I do accept your Niall Scully one. The problem with uh, Dublin is that like they're destroying everyone in Leinster yeah. and they destroy Cavan. So when can Niall Scully say, "Oh well, he took the game by the scruff of the neck"? He never really have to. And for me, all stars take the game by the scruff of the neck, and Garrod McKiernan did it. You know, he did it against Monaghan. He got them through against Monaghan. He played well against Donegal. He he was excellent against Down. For me, that's all star. I don't think a fella who fits in well. And plays his role pretty well, you know, in a, in a team is an all star. I think all stars have done something special in games 
that, you know, the team might not have won had they not. And maybe Dublin's domination, and especially in a knockout championship, kind of, you know, plays against the likes of Niall Scully. Yeah, I just I, I would have said that about Niall Scully in the last couple of years. Not that he's been bad, but that as you said, he's kind of been more of a piece of the jigsaw as opposed to one of the one of the main men outside Fenton, Kilkenny, Con, etc. I just thought that well, first of all, when Dublin are going to be so dominant and and you have those players in your team, you have those players in your team already, you have your Fentons, your Cons and your Kilkenny, it's hard to maybe kind of ascend above them or ascend to the same level. I just thought that this year and again, I, I'm I'm largely going on the Mayo game to be honest, because Dublin weren't really challenged much beyond that. Yeah. I just I just thought that I just thought that he was he was particularly he was particularly influential in that game, and and I suppose there is there is a danger of overlooking the contribution that 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 the likes of himself are are, are going to make. Whereas I think he's been a really 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 excellent uh, excellent player for for Dublin for Dublin the last couple of years but I wouldn't like if it came to a call between himself and Garrod McKiernan it'd be very hard to leave Garrod McKiernan out after the year he's had as well you know Yeah you see Garrod McKiernan didn't play well he James McCarthy's hanging him against uh, Dublin so he you know that's not going to be an easy day at the office and maybe that's why people but I think he's done enough at the Ulster final to warrant himself um, an All-Star we'll move on to the hurling All-Star team I'm going to call out my one Paddy and you can tell me where what of what you don't agree with um, honestly Nicky Quaid Stephen O'Keefe this is a toss-up if you're being honest like I mean it, just shading slightly towards Nicky Quaid, but he might not get it because Stephen O'Keefe, this is the classic case of spectacular saves versus consistency behind a brilliant team and not having much to do. Um, you have Sean Finn, you have Dan Morris, you have Dottie Burke, you have Dermot Burns, you have Kyle Hayes, you have Callum Lyons, Jamie Barron, Keen Lynch, um, Garod Hegarty, TJ Reid, Tom Morrissey, Tony Kelly, Stephen Bennett, and I went with Connor Whelan. I just threw it in there because he, you know, he was outstanding and Galway made the All-Ireland uh, semi-final and I think uh, he deserved to get in there so um, give us a shout out on what you have Yeah we're not too far away um, Nicky Quaid I had him as well in the goals um, look I do think uh, Stephen O'Keefe made some great saves but I do think he, he had some troubles as well uh, some puck out issues and, and things like that don't think Nicky Quaid put a foot wrong all year uh, and when he needed the odd save he, he's well able to make him so I, I don't think there was like one of those standout performances for the year where he said god geez there it is that guy gets it yeah um, yeah you know, for me I'd, i just had nicky quaid in there his puck outs are electric as well um finn cornerback i think the best in the game at the minute um and i've tried to put everyone in their position the only place i couldn't exactly is the full back line because i don't think there was another outstanding like cornerback who really really put their name up there so i had morrissey dan morrissey fullback as well and then i had uh i had dahi burke the other cornerback I suppose. well i completely agree with you paddy on the positions but one exception i will make is i'll put a fullback cornerback or i'll put a center forward wing forward but i agree i don't agree with shifting lines um but i i think we, i think you can be given a break by putting a wing back center back for example Maybe a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're, to me, they're, they're separate positions. Yeah, and yeah, true. I think there's many a good wing back could never play centre back and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and I think Dahi Burke, if he was consistently playing cornerback and the balls are being zipped in left and right, maybe he'd find that position uh, a little bit tougher. Uh, but he's he, look, he's, he's he's unbelievable anyway. But I thought he had a few great games. So I put him cornerback. Then I had Ty De Burke as centre back and I had Dermot Burns and Keane Hayes wingbacks right. so they're, they're in their positions that's who I thought was the best in those positions uh, Will O'Donoghue and Jamie Barron midfield um, I had Tom Morrissey uh, TJ Reid and Garod Hegarty playing on the half forward line and I had Tony Kelly corner Aaron Glanfull and Connor Whelan corner so obviously 
I'm leaving out a couple of big names. Stephen Bennett and Keane. Stephen Bennett yeah. and Keane Lynch are out. Well, they didn't. Both of them played centre forward for my money. Uh, certainly in the half forward line. And while they were some of the best hurlers of the year, they weren't better than those two, three in the in the half forward line. And I said that's the way I'm doing it. The, the playing the, <laughs> that's what the, the majority of the place they played. So I have to be cut and dry. To yeah. me, neither of them played in the full forward line. Neither of them played midfield really. Steve, now with there, with there, did Stephen Bennett not switch in a bit with with Gleeson the odd time? He was definitely in a full forward at the start of the second half against Kilkenny. Now whether that's enough to warrant full forward, I don't think he was playing in there though, that much at all. Really, no, uh, he dominantly half. Yeah, because he was even coming from the half hour line when he got that pass for the goal. But but even the start of the year, he actually did play a little bit in there and it wasn't working when yeah. he came out of the field. So I don't think he spent enough time in there. Like obviously, like TJ Reid played a little bit corner forward against Dublin, but he didn't spend the majority of his time there. But uh, to me, I just I think it, it should be a bit more cut and dry like that. And yeah, you, you could have the three best players playing centre forward, but this is this is what it's about. Well, I, I listen. I like this. I like. I was. I've often said that this. Now, where I would disagree with that, if you're going for centre forward, I put Stephen Bennett ahead of TJ Reid. I would say Keane Lynch would lose out in that situation. I do love the way somebody misses out that there's a centre forward position up for grabs. Keane Lynch, TJ Reid, Stephen Bennett, and two of them have to lose it. But that is the right way to do it. Like Tony Kelly gets in because he he played corner forward. Pro, Tony Kelly kind of alternating from midfield up, so could fill any of those positions. Yeah, well, Tony Kelly, I think. If you were to look at a match, you'd say that maybe there's five forwards for Clare in their position and Tony Kelly starts around corner and drifts out. And look, I'd have played with Lara Corbett and the likes of Bubbles and that, and that would have been a lot of their play as well. But at the end of the day, there was five other forwards in their position and he was doing a lot of his starting off positioning from the corner forward area. He certainly wasn't a midfielder and he certainly wasn't playing wing forward. So that's why I said, look, you know, he had he probably at least had a starting position, didn't always stay there, but um, he was probably being marked by a corner back most of the time. Yeah, just just looking back at my football team then. So Kilkenny, Kilkenny, Con and Connor Sweeney, one of those three have to have to lose out because uh, Kilkenny and Con play swap around in the full forward. Garod McKiernan would be out because he'd be up against that centre forward position as well. And yeah, Niall Scully be in there <laughs> under under those circumstances. Look, I I, compl- I th- listen. I think that's the best way to do it. But it's gone into such a farce now that midfielders Colm Cavan is getting a, an all star at full back, and, and I've softened a little. Bit to say, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an odds there. You know, on that on that line of the field, I've softened some little bit on that. But I do. T- if they changed, if they changed the odds stars to only players playing in that position, and you have to go head to head with somebody, and if you've had a brilliant year and someone else had a better year, I'd gladly accept that as well, Paddy. Like you're saying, yeah. Well, I remember the GPA did their own awards there around 2000, I don't know, nine or something like that, and I remember they had kind of three nominations on each position. Now they did do a little bit of their own person who they put in a spot so you could, you know, you'd end up voting for the guy that probably should get an Oscar or whatever award they had. But I thought at the time it was a good way of doing it. Um, at the end of the day, if you play a cornerback, you played your trade, it's different to playing fullback, in my opinion. And so mm. you should be, you know, if you were the best cornerback, then you should be down as the best cornerback and, and vice versa with this. Like Ty DeBurka to me, maybe he wasn't better than Lines through the year. You know, Lines played the All-Ireland, but he, to me, he was the best centre-back all year. So yeah, I, I just think it's a different, you know, it's a different role. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So there you go. And when are the All Stars? I don't know. There's been no talk about All Stars, has there? We've plenty of time before the league starts. No idea. No idea. Yeah. It'd be a bit of a, be like when you're Saturday nights watching the match. I'd say a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, 
this is the thing. I can't, until all this is ends, I can't start looking ahead to the new season. That's why this, you know, these award things have to end and now we're, then we'll move on because we're back with shows. Um, obviously, that's it for the Woolly Awards for 2020. We're doing them in 2021, obviously, because it's late finish to the season. Um, yeah, so that's it. Congratulations to all the winners. Um, you're not getting anything for it. It's just the, the pride that the listeners have heard your name being called out here and that and that's uh, that's pretty much it. That's all we have time for, for, for the Woolly Awards. We'll be back on Thursday. We're going to talk to Shane Enright on Thursday and we'll talk to Owen Larkin about whether there's some rumblings in the Kilkenny camp. So we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.